0: Well, I know that something special is going to take place today. You know how I know that? Because I got a phone call early this morning that said, oh, the church website's down. (laughs) And then I got a text message that says, oh, by the way, the children's projector isn't working. I'm like, okay. And then I got another text message oh, the main projector isn't working. Then I got another text message that says, oh, the Internet's not working, so we can't go live stream. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And wouldn't you know, I ain't going to tell you, you're just going to have to wait, but you're going to find out what I preached on today. And so immediately I knew, ah, yeah, I see. But can I just tell you something? When the enemy comes in, like a flood the spirit of the lord will raise a standard against them and so by the power of the holy ghost we're going to raise up the standard this morning the standard of righteousness the standard of truth the standard of peace the standard of joy because joy is something that can only be birthed by the spirit of god you can't buy it on amazon prime only jesus can give it amen And so I am ready to give you God's word because somebody's life is going to be changed today Look, I've been doing this for a while now I've been in ministry almost 25 years When I see that kind of one after another after another I immediately know that I got to settle into peace first and foremost Not freak out mode But God, you got this And you know what? Guess what? Everything's working right now Imagine that so good morning to our online audience as well. <laughs> but um, before I dive into God's Word, let me give you just a quick update on what we are for Heart for the House. As I mentioned last week, we are able to extend it by a few extra weeks. Uh, that means that today and two more Sundays, we can extend our giving towards it. Let me, uh, if you can just throw up that graphic, show you where we Currently, are this was a little bit of a slow week giving toward it, but I know that was because many of you had already uh, raised or raised, set aside that money for a couple of weeks ago. But um, is it is that down? Of course it is. Of course it's down. <laughs> Come up in Jesus' name. There we go. All right. So uh, so we have raised three hundred and forty three thousand. Come on, can we thank God for that? That's how much money that we have in the bank, and we still got twenty one thousand pledged uh, that will uh, be coming in. And so I ask for your prayers on two accounts. One is to be praying that more uh, finances come in. And thank you guys for your faithfulness. Y'all are such givers in this church. Thank you for that. I mean, not only thank you for... What you give for Heart for the House, you guys give of your tithes and of your offerings. Guys, that's what enables us to be able to do all that we do. That's what enables us to be able to get the gospel out there, to be able to support our missionaries, to be able to do these outreaches that we're going to do here in a couple weeks, which I want to encourage you guys to come and to be a part so that you can see what you're giving your money towards. But thank you for your faithfulness, church. So just, man, give yourself a, a, a big pat on the back for that because, man, at least I'm giving you a pat on the back. Thank you. I'm just so uh, pleased you guys are such givers but um, the second thing that I want to ask you to to pray over in addition to continue to give is to pray over our zoning and so I mentioned it last week it's not a problem at all if anything it's just it just slowed down the process just a little bit actually in the long run it is going to be a blessing and matter of fact that's the first thing that went through my mind when they said hey we're gonna have to raise our zoning level That immediately told me, oh, okay, then God's got something better. And then it was confirmed from our owner, says that means that later on you're going to be able to do more because you're going to be grandfathered in. So whenever you go to build down the road, you're not going to have to go and pull additional permits. So that tells me that we're going to have to build addition to beyond what we've already planned to build. God's setting us up. Are you catching that? Are you catching that? Make sure you catch all this, church, because years later, I'm going to reference back. Remember when I told you all, all right? This was one of those kind of moments. And so, but I do ask that we cover this in prayer. So uh, I want, matter of fact, I want us to do that right now while I've got the collective body of Christ together. But if you will continue to just pray, here's my prayer. I pray that it goes through in God's timing. You know, earlier I was praying, Lord, let it go swiftly. And the Spirit of the Lord is like, what if I don't want to do it swiftly? Uh, <laughs> right? So we're praying, Lord, in accordance to your timing. But here's what we can pray. We pray against any hindrances of the enemy. We pray against any way that he would try to throw a monkey wrench into this thing. You know what I'm saying? And so I do ask for your prayers. Uh, we believe everything's going to happen in God's perfect timing. We believe that's going to happen. But um, let's pray right now. Could we do that? Father, we love you and we thank you, God, that you do hear our prayers. Lord, I thank you when your word says we're two come together and touch and agree that it will be done. And so, Lord, how much more, Lord, with this collective body of saints coming together, we stand in agreement, God, believing for your perfect timing. Lord, we're anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer, petition, we bring our requests, we make them known to you with thanksgiving. And God, we thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. So, Father, in your perfect timing, We pray, Lord, for your favor, that, Lord, that whenever this zoning request goes before the right city council member, God, I ask for your favor upon it. I pray that when they look down and they see the name Destiny Church of Jacksonville, I pray that their heart will be moved with compassion. And so, God, we thank you for your favor. We thank you that we already have your favor, your grace, your unmerited favor. But we thank you, Lord, that we also have favor with man. And so thank you, precious Holy Spirit. You're the forerunner of all things, and you're gone before us. And so, Lord, we entrust it to your care, and now we walk in your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, how about let's say let's get into God's word, amen? All right, Uh, turn within your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3. For those of you that are just joining us, we are in a series called Unhindered, which is more than just a title. But rather, it's a concept that holds the key to unlocking our fullness in Christ. In a world that's often filled with distractions, obstacles, competing priorities, we often find ourselves hindered from living the abundant life that God has intended for us. But unhindered is a declaration. It's a declaration that we can break free from these limitations and step into a life that is free, that is empowered, and that is fully aligned with God's purpose. It's about living a life that is unhindered by doubts, fears, or pressures of this world. And it's about tapping into the limitless resources of God's grace and allowing his word to transform our hearts and our minds. And it's about experiencing <clears throat> the profound peace, the joy, and the love that can only come from a deep, unhindered relationship with our Savior, Jesus. And to put it short, unhindered is a call to embrace the abundant life that Christ has for us. And it's an invitation to to break free from the hindrances that hold us back, and then allow us to step into, boldly should I say, boldly step into the freedom and the purpose that God has destined for us. And last week, we continued talking about uh, what it meant to have a renewed mind and how that we are to put off our old way of thinking and to put on the mind of Christ. And now here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul continues to describe what our new life in Christ is supposed to look like. But his description is more than just information. The description comes with instruction. He's instructing us on how we should live. And it's important that we get this because a lot of people believe that once they have given their lives to Christ, that they can just continue living the same way that they did before they gave their life to Christ. But friends, that's not the gospel. The gospel calls us to live a life of repentance. Repentance means that we change the way that we think, which in turn will change how we live. And I love that Paul addresses this point first, that nothing really changes until our mind does. See, Paul would have fully understood that before he shared verses 15 through 30, that he had to first share verses 1 through 14, which was where he put the emphasis and the importance of us renewing our old ways of thinking. And so even as we dive into today's portion of scripture, you must keep in mind that what Paul is instructing us to do, it can only be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of a renewed mind. And so let's dive into the text. Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, we're actually going to stay on this whole verse right here uh, in Colossians uh, today, along with maybe a few supporting scriptures, because this verse is just chock full of great instruction. And so if you're following along with us in the notes in our app, uh, the first point that you're going to want to fill in the blank with is the peaceful heart. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about peace. As a matter of fact, it's mentioned right at about 429 times. But peace is often a word that is misunderstood. Just like the world has its misunderstandings about the word love, which is often contrary to what God says, so it is about the word peace. For example, the world views peace as an absence of conflict like a a ceasefire or a momentary break from chaos and this perspective on peace is largely centered on external circumstances and it's contingent upon everything then going smoothly but in contrast the bible presents a much deeper and more profound concept of peace because biblical peace goes beyond just mere uh, the absence of conflict or turmoil, and it causes us to be able to live a peaceful life in the midst of all of the challenges, trials, and tribulations that come along in life. It's a peace that surpasses understanding because the God at peace is at work in the person's life who trusts him. It's a peace that can coexist with the external chaos Because it's firmly rooted in God's unwavering trust in his sovereignty and in his goodness. When we allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts, we are essentially saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust your plan and your purpose for my life. I believe that even in the midst of all these difficulties that I'm facing, that you are in control and that your peace, it will guard my heart and my mind. You see, this peace doesn't exempt us from challenges, but it guards us in the midst of them. Let me teach you a little Greek this morning. So the word rule that we just read there in Colossians 3.15 when it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, it's the Greek word brabeo. Come on, say it with me. Brabeo, right? And the literal translation of this word is To be an umpire, which means to decide or to direct. An interesting thing is is this is the only place that this word is used in the Bible, and it's used in reference to the peace of God. And so evidently, Paul knew that the Colossians would have been familiar with this word, and I love that he chose it because it paints a vivid image of how the peace of God should function in our lives. And here's the thing, by the way, you don't have to be familiar with sports to even understand the universal concept of an umpire, because most everyone knows that it represents someone who ensures fairness and order. Like an umpire is someone who calls the shots and will address any conflict. Well, that is exactly what we should allow the peace of God to do. It calls the shots. It helps us to decide what we should do, and it directs our course of action. And so Paul is emphasizing both to us and to the Colossians about the importance of seeking and following that inner peace from God, which helps us to make decisions, to resolve conflicts, and to live in unity with one another. Church, this is such good practical advice for us because, watch, none of us live a conflict-free life. I mean, even in the most well-intentioned societies and organizations, differences of opinion, needs, and even desires can lead to conflict. And so this belief that some hold to that a utopia can somehow be achieved on earth is simply a farce. It won't be until we are in heaven that we'll get to see this absence of conflict, chaos, and discord. And so what do we do in the meantime? We trust the peace of God. We let it call the shots in our life. We don't lean on our own understanding, which often gets us in trouble, but we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and the peace that he provides. And like I said earlier, this is super practical, church. Because we have to make decisions every single day of our lives. I'm sure that there are many who can relate to this, but throughout my life, there have been times when I had planned on doing one thing, but I simply did not have the peace of God on the decision. Anyone? Now, sometimes I did it anyway. Anyone want to own up to that one? Okay, all right. (laughs) Make me feel good here. I'm just being honest. Um, I know that, you know, the rest of you, you've never done that before because you always do everything that God tells you to do. But uh, I can't lay hold of that claim, all right? There have been times that I thought that I knew what was best, and I dismissed the peace of God. And every single time I moved forward without his peace, it ended up costing me. In all kinds of different ways. And so here's what you got to know. Is that some of the things, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, some of those things aren't necessarily things that are wrong. They're just wrong for you. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, maybe God wants you to leave your job, but not right now. Maybe God wants you to marry that person, but not right now or perhaps it's something that just absolutely seems fine on the surface. You're like, this is just a no-brainer. I'll tell you what, I can testify to you that even in those moments when something seems like a no-brainer and the Holy Spirit says, don't do it, the times that I went ahead and did it, it ended up costing me, and the times that I yielded to the leading of the Spirit, I look back and I said, wow, thank you for allowing me to, to dodge that bullet, God. Exactly 20 years ago, Jody and I were in transition from a bad experience working at a church. Your pastor isn't the only one who's experienced church hurt up here, just so you know that I can relate, for those of you that can relate. And uh, during that time, I was offered a very high-paying job working for a finance company. All throughout my time in college, I worked for uh, banks, and that experience had set me up as a prom candidate. And um, when this job was presented to me, I had already been speaking to Pastor Jerry. Many of you know Pastor Jerry. He's one of my overseers. He was my previous pastor at Christ Church in Roswell, New Mexico. And I had already sent my application to a couple different churches while I was in transition. And Christ Church and Pastor Jerry was one of the ones that had reached out to me. And by this time, I had been in ministry for right about six years. And so... I thought, you know what, wait a minute, here's a great opportunity while I'm taking this little break for me to go and to set up my family for some financial success because living on a youth pastor's pay wasn't going to get me there. Now granted, Pastor Jerry uh, had offered me double what my first youth pastor salary was, which was 17 whole thousand dollars. Try living on that one. (laughs) But the finance company wanted to hire me at three times what Pastor Jerry had offered. And so a six-figure job in 2003 made a whole lot of sense to me. (laughs) I remember telling Jody, I said, Babe, I can just work for this place for five years, keep living the way that we're living so we could save everything. Then I could go back into ministry but not be broke. (laughs) The only problem was I didn't have a piece about it in my heart. Church, learn to trust the peace of God. Don't lean on your own understanding. I know that some of y'all are smart. You're well-educated. But there are many times in life where you may weigh something, and in the natural, it will make sense, but in the spirit, it's not right. You see that finance company that was so profitable and that was offering me this big salary was one of the companies that were selling Subprime mortgages leading up to the housing crisis of 2008. So I would have only gotten to work there for maybe three years. Not to mention that job, I didn't say this, was a six day a week job which required working 12 hours a day. Now, just so you don't have to do the math, that would have been 72 hours a week. Now, how do you think? That would have affected my young wife who was pregnant with Megan at the time. And how do you think that would have affected 27-year-old me who, let me tell you, 27-year-old me had a whole lot of issues still to work out in their life. I'm telling you what I'm quite certain of today, knowing what I know, I wouldn't be in ministry and probably wouldn't be married either. So why am I spending so much time talking about the importance of the peace of God leading our every step? Because it's the peace of God that will lead you and guide you towards your destiny. See, there are some things that just simply aren't mentioned in Scripture, but the principles are. Are you with me? For example, a student might be wondering, should I go to UNF, UF, FSU, or University of Kentucky? <laughs> now everyone knows that the right answer is the University of Kentucky, okay? <laughs> Get some love from my Kentucky FIFA. <laughs> but what if God wants you to take a gap year? Parents are like, no, pastor, don't say that to my kid. <laughs> but what if he does? Or what if... God wants your kid to go to a trade school like cosmetology or plumbing when we're an electrician. We had to hire an electrician this summer, and I'm pretty sure that I paid for his kid's first car. (laughs) So being led to go to a trade school isn't all that bad. Or how about this? What if God leads you to go to an unaccredited Bible college? Is that so bad? Friends, what I'm talking about here is trusting the peace of God and not just what makes sense. But in order to trust the peace of God, you've got to know the peace of God. And how do you know the peace of God? By knowing the God of peace. By knowing the Prince of Peace, Jesus Because Colossians isn't going to tell you what you should do whenever you graduate high school. It's going to tell you what job you need to take. But it does teach us to trust his peace. By the way, let me highlight one more principle that Paul mentions here in Colossians 3.15. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Now, this verse right here, it speaks to the unity that we should have as the body of Christ, but it also speaks to the togetherness and the interconnectivity that we're to have as Christians. Let me explain what I mean. Whenever I'm praying about what actions I should take or avoid in a particular situation, I'm not navigating it all alone. I have the support of the body of Christ. A community of fellow believers that I can turn to and ask them to join in with praying for the peace of God regarding the matter. So now I'm not solely dependent upon my own discernment of that peace, but instead I can reach out to other believers who have a proven track record of following God's peace in their life and ask them to pray about what they are sensing in the spirit. And this collaborative approach, it allows us to be able to make well-informed decisions because we're drawing on the collective wisdom and spiritual discernment of our fellow believers. Proverbs 15.22 says this, plans fail for lack of counsel. If you ever wonder why something fails in your life, then you need to look and say, okay, who did I go and get counsel from? Some people says, well, I did go and get some counsel. And I'm not talking about your, your BFF. I'm talking about someone who's got a little snow on the roof, got a little, some of y'all catch that here in a minute, get a little bit of experience like your pastor has on his face, that kind of snow. That's okay. Oh, that's what he means. Yes. So we've got to go to those that have a little experience that have walked the walk. Are y'all with me? Y'all hearing this this morning? Now, does that mean we always go with the majority heavens? No. <laughs> It simply means that God has given us the body of Christ to help us reach and fulfill our purpose. And whenever we find ourselves in a place where we're not sure what we're supposed to do, we're not alone. Come on, aren't you just thankful for the body of Christ? Can we just thank God right now for the body of Christ? Broken and imperfect as it is, somehow God chooses to use us to serve one another. Now, Paul said one more thing at the end of Colossians 3.15. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were indeed called in one body, and be thankful. This final part of the verse is a reminder that it's not just about seeking the peace of God, but it's also about cultivating a heart of gratitude. And so the first point is that we're to have a peaceful heart. The second point is that we're to have a grateful heart. Isn't it kind of interesting that this message just so happened to land on the week of Thanksgiving? <laughs> you see, gratitude is a powerful force that can transform our perspective. Like when we're thankful, it shifts our focus from what we lack to what we have. It redirects our attention from our problems and to God's provision. And in the context of seeking God's peace, thankfulness reminds us of the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. Church, being thankful is an essential part of living an unhindered life. It keeps us grounded in our identity as children of God. And it helps us to maintain an attitude of gratitude and trust and reliance upon Him. You see, whenever we face life's difficulties, life's challenges, a heart filled with gratitude becomes a wellspring of peace. The apostle Paul knew the importance of thankfulness. He wrote in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, nothing, not your kids, mom, not your job. Not where the economy's going, and oh my gosh, in the election, and he says, be anxious for nothing. But, in all things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, do not skip this integral part of this instruction that Paul gives the church here in Philippians. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we approach God with our concerns and requests, we do so, again, with an attitude of gratitude. This aligns our heart with his will, and it opens up the door for his peace then to come and flood our lives. But we often get the cart before the horse, don't we, church? Like we want to experience his peace, then offer our giving of thanks. But that wouldn't require faith. See, it's when we thank God before we see his hand at work and before we feel his peace that we get to experience this supernatural outflow that can only come from the Spirit of God. It's so important that we catch this, church, because we live in a generation that doesn't understand gratitude. I mean, culture has taught everyone to be entitled, not grateful. We're bombarded with messages that says that we deserve more, that we should strive for the next big thing, and that we should be dissatisfied with what we already have. But as followers of Christ, we must stand apart from this mindset. Church, write this down. Gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. I'm talking about a recognition that everything that we have, every breath that we breathe, every blessing that we receive, it is a gift from our Heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above is what the Scripture says, and we've got to have this mindset. It's an acknowledgment that we are utterly dependent upon His grace. When we choose gratitude, even in the midst of challenging times, we declare our trust in God's goodness, and his faithfulness. We say, Lord, I don't trust everything that's happening right now, but I trust you. I trust what you have done. I trust what you are doing, and I trust what you're going to do. And Paul says that it's this act of faith and gratitude that opens the floodgates for God's peace to come in and to rule our hearts, to call those shots. So this means that we're to surrender our worries and our anxieties to him, knowing that he's in control. See, we exchange our entitlement mentality for a heart of humility and thanksgiving. And in return, we receive the deep and abiding peace that surpasses understanding. But I also want to bring your attention to something else that takes place when we do this. In Colossians Paul says that the peace of God will rule our heart. But in the scripture that I just read to you in Philippians 4, 7, did you notice that it used a different word? Anyone else pick up on that? It says that the peace of God would guard our heart. Now, I love this because it just goes further to show how significant the peace of God is in our life. You see, the word guard carries a profound definition in the Greek. And it's one that is very applicable to our lives. It goes beyond the mere idea of protection, and it means to prevent a hostile invasion. See, whenever we allow the peace of God to come and to guard our hearts and our minds, we are inviting in a divine defense mechanism that not only shields us from the chaos of this world, but it actively prevents any hostile invasion of anxiety, of fear, of doubt. Picture it like this, if you would. Our hearts and our minds are like a fortified fortress. And the peace of God stands is a vigilant guard at the gate, not just standing idly by, but is actively scanning the horizon for any threats that would attempt to breach the walls of our inner sanctuary. That's why Paul mentions this once again, I believe, in Philippians four seventeen to give us an even more robust understanding of what it means. Because you see, in a world that is filled with stress, Uncertainty and turmoil, this peace serves as an impenetrable barrier, a supernatural defense that keeps the enemy's assaults at bay. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't ever face challenges or difficulties, but it does mean that those external circumstances cannot overrun the peace that God has established in our hearts. And this is why I'm so stirred to teach you this, because so many people have this misunderstanding of peace. Like, they think that peace is just the sense of tranquility, but it's so much greater than that. Like, it actively repels anxiety. It actively repels fear. It actively repels doubt, preventing them from infiltrating our hearts and our minds. You see, the peace of God doesn't just soothe our souls, but it actively guards the gates of our innermost being. If I could just say it this way, the peace of God isn't just a calm in the storm. It's the mighty fortress that stands strong against it. And it's the peace that invites us to trust, to let go of worry, and to dwell in the assurance that God is in control. I'm going to leave you with a couple more closing scriptures here. The first one is Isaiah 26, verse 3, which says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I feel like I could take another 10 minutes talking about this scripture, but I want you to take it, and that's going to be your homework assignment. Let me read it one more time. You will keep in what? perfect peace. So that tells me that there can become a place to where no matter what's coming against me, I can have peace at all times. Perfect peace. Those whose what? Minds. Again, referencing back to what Paul had already taught us, which is to make sure that we get rid of the old way of thinking and not, by the way, and don't adopt any new worldly ways of thinking. So it's not just about getting rid of the old ways. don't allow the world's ways to continue to come in either. Like, God forbid, that's like a dog returning to his vomit, like the Scripture says in Proverbs. The dog doesn't realize that what was in the vomit that made him sick to start with. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Friends, the safest place that you could ever be is trusting in God. When we trust God wholeheartedly, we not only invite his peace to rule and guard our hearts, but we also position ourselves to be in the most secure place imaginable, God's hands. And where we often fail, God's love never fails. He's the one who knows the beginning from the end, and he's the one who holds it all together. Here's the other scripture that I wanted to share with you, Psalm 108, verse 13. Through God, we will do valiantly. Some of y'all been in church, how many of y'all been in church for at least 25 years? And so you remember, through our God we will do valiantly, for it is he I can't sing. <laughs> Who will tread down our enemies will sing and shout for victory. Christ is king. Am I by myself on that? Everyone's like, Chris, we have no idea what you're talking about. It's a scripture. Okay, I'll read the scripture. I won't sing again. Psalm 108, verse 13. Through God, we will do valiantly. I could preach better than I can sing, can't I? (laughs) For it is he who shall tread down our enemies. I wanted to share this last verse right here and just add an exclamation mark to it. A proclamation here if you will, that one that reminds us that, first of all, our strength doesn't come from our own abilities, but from our God who strengthens us and who fights on our behalf. So the next time you find yourself in a battle, remember these words, through God, through Christ, Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things, through God. We will do valiantly. We will be victorious. And I can't emphasize how important this is, church. This right here, this declaration, it's a declaration of faith that just echoes all throughout the ages. It's a proclamation that says we are not alone. Our victory is assured because God is the one who is fighting on You know what the scripture says? That you are more than a conqueror. I was praying about that one day and I said, well, God, I mean, it's pretty cool that we're just a conqueror, right? I mean, like, I don't understand because I know that every word is inspired in the scripture. So why does it say we're more than a conqueror? Like, what does it mean to be? I mean, conqueror is like, man, I win, right? And here's what the spirit of the Lord said. You're more than a conqueror because you didn't fight the battle. I fought it for you. And that's what the peace of God will do in our life, if we'll trust him, if we will make sure that we cast off that old way of thinking, renew our minds with his word, and put our complete, wholehearted trust in him. Amen? Stand to your feet with me if you would. Church, it is so important that we live with grateful hearts and that we trust God for our each and every need. Because when we do so, then it becomes a wellspring of peace that can only come from the Spirit of God. Now, I know this morning I have been primarily speaking to Christians, those who have already surrendered their life to Jesus' Lordship, but I also know that there's a good probability that there may be someone here in person or online that has not yet given their life to Jesus. And I just want to extend God's invitation for you to receive him right now, just as you are, broken, full of imperfections, like the rest of us. Today can be the start of a brand new life, one in which God is in control. You know, one of Jesus' titles is Prince of Peace. And you know, we've been talking about peace a lot today, but the starting point of that peace is to receive the Prince of Peace as your Lord and Savior. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that you repent. Repent of what? Repent of not putting him first and then choosing to put him first. See, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. And so I just wanna ask, who would take God up on his offer this morning, and you would say, Pastor, I want to be a Christian. I want to experience the peace that surpasses understanding that you've been talking about today. I want to live that kind of life. Well, it takes a heart that is ready to surrender, that is ready to walk away from the things of the world saying, God, I believe that you have something better in store for my life. And God, I want you to be the one who leads me. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. And see, Jesus can do that. Do you know why? Because he came and paid the price to be able to do that. When he went to the cross, and he chose to go to the cross, friends, when Jesus prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus knew the pain, the torture, the agony that he was about to face, and he actively chose it. He actively chose to pay mine and your sin debt. You say, "Yo, wait a minute, pastor. What are you talking about sin debt? The Bible says that all of us have sinned and coming up short of the glory of God. What's that mean? That means the only way that we can have right standing with God is through a mediator. And there's only one mediator. Now, the world would try to come and say, "Oh, but Muhammad's a mediator. Oh, Harry Krishna is a mediator. Oh, Buddha is." No, there's only one mediator. One man, that man, Christ Jesus. He's the one and the only one and Jesus himself says, "I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me." And so if you want to not only experience this profound peace that we're talking about this morning, but you also want the promise of citizenship in heaven because, friend, the only way that you get to go to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not through your works. It's not through your parents' faith, young people. It's not about who you know, how connected you are. Well, in that sense, yes, I guess it is, if you're connected to the Lord Jesus. That's the only way that's the only way. And I know that any time I've got this many people in a room like this that there's someone that your heart is not right with God. And you say I want to be right with God. Friend, you can be right now. You don't have to do anything. I'm telling you, it's a relationship, not a religion. I know that people get on, oh, it's not right right. It's a relationship. Mine is a relationship, I, you know? I mean, yeah, if you want to look to Webster's, sure, okay? But you know what? I referenced the relationship because that's the part of it that changed my life, not the religion. The religion didn't change me. The relationship with Jesus did. And friends, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. If you've never experienced it, you can. And the starting point is surrender. Who needs to surrender their life to Christ? Who's here and you've been putting off surrendering your heart to God? What in the world are you waiting on? Pride? Is pride preventing you from doing it? Pride. Or do you think that there's actually something better in the world? Or would you be like my friend, Brandon, who said, I want to live my life right now, Chris. I'm 19 years old. One of these days, I'll, I'll get right with God. I understand what you're saying, and he never made it to his 20th birthday. Don't think that you're promised another day, friend. You're not. That's just promoting fear, Chris, getting people. No, I'm just being a realist. That's all. I'm just shooting you straight. But don't believe the lie that the world has something better to offer because I promise you, it doesn't. The wages of sin is death. You know what that word death means in the Greek? It means the, the misery of a life that lives not only here but even will continue on after death. So death, sin will not only make you miserable here, it's darn sure gonna make you miserable even in eternity. That's the reason we need to deal with it now while we're alive, while grace is being extended to you. So here's what I'm gonna do right now. Who's here this morning? And you say, I wanna be a Christian. I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ. What that means is that every mark that's ever been made against you, it will be forgiven. And it will never be brought up again, ever, ever. Ever. The Bible says that he takes our sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness. They're never going to be brought up again. And so if that's you, please, at this moment, don't worry about who you're with. Don't worry about what's around you. The Spirit of God is stirring my heart as a minister of the gospel because I know that there's someone right now that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and you say, yes, Chris. That's me. I want to give my life to Christ. You could pray right where you're at in your seats. I'm going to pray. We're going to all pray together. But you say, I want to be a Christian. Raise your hand right now. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up high if that's you. I can see about three people in front of me because of these lights in my eyes. But I'm going to, by faith, believe that there's a bunch of you out there. Anyone else? And then I'm going to lead you in that prayer say, why do you have to raise your hand? And you don't have to. You could pray the prayer here, but watch this. I believe that that's an act of faith. Because watch this. If you're going to hide it and say, well, I'm just going to pray that prayer and I don't want to raise my hands because my friends are around, man, is that really, is, is that really an act of faith? I mean, I, I, you're in the safest place you could ever be because every other saint of God in here at one point has said yes. So it's not just about the raising of the hand. It's that external thing that says, this is an external of what's happening on the internal. Anyone else? Maybe some of you that said, man, I want to pray, but you didn't raise your hand. you like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm in. Anyone at all? Talking to those of you also that are online, that you can pray this prayer sitting right there in your bedroom, right there in your living room, driving down the road and you're watching this message. You can accept Jesus as your Lord right now. And, friend, he will meet you right where you are. So pray this prayer, those of you that say yes to Jesus. And those of you that have already prayed this prayer, saints of God, join in with us. We're going to all declare Jesus as Lord right now. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. I ask you, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross. For the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave. Just as your word says, now I want to live my life to know you, to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. And can we give a great big thank God for our salvation right now. Come on. What a good God who gives us what we don't deserve. Amen. He took what you deserve. What a good God. Hey, listen, a couple quick housekeeping things, and then I'll dismiss you. Uh, If you did accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're here and live in service today, when you're uh, exiting the auditorium, you're going to see a banner that says, I have decided. It says it a bunch of times, and there's going to be someone standing there. They've got some important information to put in your hands. And guys, this is so important. If you prayed that prayer. Don't leave without taking what they've got in their hand because you need to know what the next steps are for your life. Because for those of you that just made that commitment in your heart, I can assure you that the enemy is going to try to bring doubt. He's going to try to talk you out of what you've done. And there's some important, very, very important next steps that you need to now take. Uh, For those of you that are watching online and also for those of you that are here, you can download our app. Destiny Church of Jacksonville. Download our app, and in there, you're going to see four videos that's called Deck Steps that have those videos uh, of talking about what you now need to do as a new believer. And last but not least, if you are here this morning and you need prayer, we love to be able to pray. Amen. Thank you for praying and continuing to pray. By the way, I'm just kind of mentioning that as a reminder about our heart for the house. But, um, but for those of you that are here this morning and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Thank you for praying for us. We want to pray for you. And so if you have a prayer need this morning, we have some prayer warriors that are already stationed right over here. I've got my elders over here. So we've got our A-team today, okay? And so if you need prayer, please come down. These guys would love to pray with you. Amen? Let me just speak a blessing over you and then dismiss you as you go forward this week into Thanksgiving. I know that some of you are going to be with family, so I'll pray an extra special prayer over that one right there, all right? Mm-hmm. The in laws, the outlaws, all of them, all right? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, God, that, Lord, as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, God, may we have a graceful heart, Lord, a grateful heart, Lord, and, Lord, a peaceful heart. And we thank you, Lord, that as we have that heart of gratitude, that peace will flow from God. And so, God, I pray peace, Lord, over every Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving meal that is had this week. God, let us be the fragrance of Christ, both to the believer, but, Lord, especially, Lord, to the non-believer. May our lights shine bright to those that don't know you. So we thank you for that, Lord. Now, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving.